Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another illustrious episode of the Overstated NBA show coming at you on a Friday night. This is Ethan checking into the game. I've been told to play the role of Steve. I've got a high noon to crack directly in the microphone without further ado. I'm wearing a Milwaukee Bucks hat. I'm three sheets to the wind. We're five hours into the free agency extravaganza that is taking place with us and with me tonight. A guy who I've never had the pleasure of recording a podcast with. Surprisingly, we've been two ships passing in the night for the vast majority of my recording experience. The muse of my first ever tweet on Twitter.com, Mr. Usher NBA, Brett Usher, checking into the game. How are you doing tonight, man? What's up, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's about time we get on a little podcast together. Um, Your Steve impersonation was spot on, especially the the crack in the high noon directly in the microphone part. That's the... that's, that's that's Steve's trademark. So, I, I, hey, man, we're off to a great start. But, yeah, it's been a long day, man. It was like – it was kind of like a long day, like, leading up to um, the start of free agency. Just like, you know, you're kind of, like, waiting for some little news to break, kind of set the stage for what might happen later. Like, I was – this is probably the most glued to my phone as I've been since I've had Twitter in, like, the last two years. So, uh, it was it was a day. My eyes are pretty tired, but um, good thing this is audio only. Absolutely, and let's let's not just count just your day. You've had yourself quite a week. I, I said to a couple of people in the group that I haven't heard Usher this much on the radio since 2009. You've been all over the AM, the FM, the satellite radio, the ham radio, whatever's available. You've been eating up those airwaves. So shout out to you, man. You've been getting out in the world, promoting the pod, promoting what we've been doing here for a while, and. Uh, honestly awesome job by you i've been listening to a lot of it appreciate it man yeah it's been fun yeah definitely been 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 a cool experience doing the the radio stuff the last couple days so maybe maybe there'll be more of that but yeah the pod got some solid promotion on there so hopefully we got a couple of new listeners out of that anyway uh but but yeah man it's been fun but it's uh free agency's been a trip though like it's uh whoo I don't even know where to begin, bro. Well, we got to begin somewhere. And I think any place to begin more than more than anything is probably to start with the first max contract of free agency that we got just a couple of short hours ago. Mr. Fred Van Vliet, more like get this bread Van Vliet, going to the Rockets on a three-year deal, $130 million. Makes, makes you kind of wonder if this is the clutch effect with him signing with Rich Paul. Um, with him getting out there in free agency and really being able to have an opportunity to lead a young team, a young core of players, and really see if he can sort of put his money where his mouth is now that he's worth darn near $43 million a year. Brett, what do you think? Fred Van Vliet going to the Rockets. I think it's an insane amount of money for Fred Van Vliet, like for sure. I mean, like, out he's he's a really good player. He's an NBA champion. He's a great story. Like, he's awesome. But, I mean, that's that's a pretty absurd amount of money for, like, a 29-year-old who's kind of coming off, like, a relatively down year. Um, very undersized, obviously. Like, he just – he's not your undrafted. Like, he's just not your typical $40 million a year guy. But, you know, Houston had more cap space than anybody. Um, they got to spend the money somewhere, at least most of it. And I think he's perfect for them. And, you know, in terms of leadership and just what what he's going to bring to the court, um, I think he's going to be great for that team. 
uh, I don't. I think I would have been a lot more comfortable at two years rather than three years on the deal. Uh, that third year was kind of surprising because like all the reporting that had come out before was like two years eighty, and it's like okay, that's a shitload of money too. But like in two years we're we're off it, and we can kind of transition, and Amen Thompson can be our our point guard of the future and all that. And then getting him for that extra year is um. That's a lot. And there may be more details to come about that contract. Is there some kind of team option on the third year? I'm not sure. But but that's where I'm at with it, man. It's just like shitload of money. Like it, it is an overpay. It, without question, it's an overpay. But also it's a really good thing um, for the team itself. Yeah. And I think the big thing that I saw when it was coming out – Obviously, my first reaction is that's just an obscene amount of money for Fred VanVleet, like you said. Really, just resets the market, especially for a point guard of his caliber. But like you said, like there are a handful of teams that under this new CBA, you have to be at a certain percentage of your salary cap by the time the first games tip off. And the Rockets were one of those teams that had a lot of that salary cap, and they needed to spend it somewhere. And why not set it on a guy who can get you 18, 19 points a game, kind of act as your primary facilitator? Because what I didn't watch too much of the Rockets this past season, but what little I did is you really noticed that they needed like that primary table setter to really sort of get that offense going. And, and Mikey knows Mikey's on us with us on us right now. And I, hey I look at that team when they were coached under Steven Silas, and it was just big roll the balls out during practice energy and kind of see what happens. But if you're looking for a guy who can fit into Ime Yudoka's system as kind of like a bull-nosed sort of player who can really kind of set the tone both on an offense and maybe on the defensive side as well, that's going to be a really big boost for a young team, um, unless Ben Taylor is officiating that game, in which case I don't think Fred's going to get as many calls as he might get called under another that's referee right. for sure. That's um, right. I just want to point out, since we're on the topic of Fred, and we can talk about clutch clients a little bit, can we talk about the night that Rich Paul had tonight and clutch clients in general? And this is without knowing the details of the Gary Trent Jr. deal yet, soon to be announced with the Raptors. But Jeremy Grant, $160 million, five-year deal with the Portland Trailblazers. Thank you, Rich Paul. Draymond Green, four-year, $100 million contract. Thank you, Rich Paul. And then on top of that, we get the Fred Van Vliet deal. Clutch is just kind of owning the game right now. We got to give them their shouts. Like I don't think we saw quite those numbers for all those dudes. The Jeremy Grant contract in particular, that's... That's somewhere north of like 30 million more than I expected, but I think they're paying a tax for trying to keep a certain superstar that we never talk about on this pod and we probably don't have to talk about tonight. But uh, yeah, what a night for Clutch. Yeah, it really was, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I think with the Fred Van Vliet thing, a lot of it was like just Toronto really wanted to keep him. And I think to pry him away from Toronto, that's the type of deal it was going to take. And, and the Rockets were just determined to do that. But yeah, man, Ethan, I agree completely. Like, I watched too much of them uh, last season. I mean, they're they're entertaining, but they're a messy, messy team. And he is exactly the type of presence that they need on the court and probably off it, too. And they're just they, – they've been fascinating to me this whole offseason just because of, like um, – I talked about this with Steve. Uh, was, God, was that last night? Um, we recorded a pod. Yeah, but, like – they just they're just at an interesting point, you know, in their rebuild where they're like they're clearly taking a step forward by doing this where they're like okay, we're done with the the full on rebuild, just the tanking phase of it. Like now we're trying to make some progress and it's like okay, with Van Vliet, like now you're at the point where you've got like this awesome mentor. You're going to look a little better on the court. Um but just with this team as is plus Van Vliet, they might not be 
that good yet. But I think if they were to add another free agent, which I'm waiting to see if they can do, because they've still got some cap room. Like if they could add Brooke Lopez and you have him and Van Vliet and all their young talent with Ime Udoka, then it's like, okay, that might be a play-in team, maybe even more. So like that would take them to another level. Um, but either way, I think they took a step forward just by getting that mentor there. Everything's going to look a lot better. It's going to be great for all the young guys. And if they can add another free agent, like like a Brooke Lopez, really, like specifically, um, I think they can be a legitimately good team next season, which is pretty crazy to say, um, considering just how sloppy they were last year. But between those couple of vets and then replacing Silas with Ime, like that makes a big difference. Absolutely. Like you take them, they were the youngest team in the league last year, average age on their team, 23.7 years of age. Um, you get an adult in the room with Fred Van Fleet, you get a coach in the room and Ime Yadoka. Um, hopefully it gets to a point where the, there's so much youth on that team and so much potential that they haven't learned so many bad habits over the past two years that maybe you can hope to course correct that. Um, one of the big things too is, um, I, like you said, I think they need to sign one more vet. I don't know who that's going to be. Brooke is obviously a big target for them, uh, but somebody who can kind of man that middle as well. Uh, we talk a lot about Shangun's defensive abilities and them kind of being sort of lacking. They're a smaller team. And we saw what happened like in the play-in last year with the OKC Thunder. They just ended up getting manhandled by the Wolves and that's uh, win and in sort of game. You need that sort of interior presence if you want to contend at a high level. And I, I think Brooke would be a phenomenal spot for them to they might, kind of get. They had, I, mean, they, I don't know that they can afford him after the Van Vliet deal. Like, I think it would be close. Like, I don't think that um, that $20 million, um, I don't think that's on the table anymore. Like, it, it would have to be a little bit less. But I don't know how much interest he has in going there and being part of a situation like that. I mean, he is an NBA champion already. So is Van Vliet. Like, I think maybe that was part of it for Fred, too, where it's like, I've already won a title. Like, not that he doesn't want to win other ones, but, like, where he can kind of step into this situation for a couple years. Um, or maybe they could look at, you know, Dylan Brooks, as as of this recording, is still available, where he's not a big, but he is a, a defensive player, like, where he, he could, you know, really bolster their defense, bringing in a guy like that. I don't know how they feel about him, um, but... That, that might be another option. But yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely going to be another signing. Maybe it's just a couple of um, cheaper vets, but there's going to be some more vets coming in to Houston. And um, and I think there's a chance that they could be okay next year. Definitely better than, than last year. That's for sure. Moving in the right direction. They, they want to win. It's clear. Like their owner is definitely motivated um, to start winning some games. Ime Odoka definitely wants to start winning some games. I'm sure even like Jalen Green and uh, Sangoon who've been there for a few years now, like they're they're probably ready to turn a corner too. So yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting exciting time to be a Rockets fan, I'm sure. Well, that that kind of ties up all the Rocket stuff I really want to chat about. Let's move on to something else here. Um, Mikey mentioned the clutch clients, specifically Draymond Green is one I really want to focus on. Shout out to Brother Adler who can't be with us tonight. Not sure what he's off and doing, but uh, I know he was really focusing on this signing as well. There were a couple other guys kind of in that same tier, guys who stayed with their teams and ended up making some pretty decent coin today. Draymond Green, Kyle Kuzma, Cam Johnson, all signing for multi-year, $100 million contracts. Out of those three contracts, which one was the most surprising to you, maybe in just the value that they got back? You said you said Cam Johnson, 
um, Kyle Kuzma, and who's the other one? Draymond Green. Oh, and Draymond. Yeah, I mean, I like the Kuzma deal. I like him at that money. Like, like after seeing some of these other ones, like that actually feels pretty good. And like, I think it's tradable enough. Where like, I mean, he he is saying he wants to be part of this this rebuild, and and they want him to be there. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Like, I was kind of hoping for a sign and trade, um, but if that wasn't available. Like this would have been the next best option in my opinion is just, Hey, just bring him back, you know, like let him play with these guys. Like, and, uh, and you know, maybe you could look to flip him down the road. Like, I don't think he's priced out of doing that. So I just think he's like a good vibes guy. I think he's going to vibe well with this group. I think they're going to be a fun group. He's going to get to shine, you know, as an offensive player, which I think is a big part of what he's kind of been looking for. It's just like a big role. Like, I mean, he could be. I don't know if it, it's just everyone's just kind of been saying Jordan Poole's going to be the leading scorer on that team, but now with Kuzma there, I don't know. I could go either way on that one. They'll probably both average twenty-five. Um, but I like I like that a lot, just in terms of the value, and um, I just I, I'm I'm happy that uh, that Kuz is is back in DC. Ethan, when you were talking about this group of people, did you uh, did you include Chris Middleton? I missed that part. I did not include Chris Middleton. That's another I think he, big one. Yeah, he belongs in this one. He's uh, three three years for 102 million back with the Bucks. I think when you're looking at this group of players, and then you even think outside of it, like Jeremy Grant, um, also signed huge extension. Um, Kyle Kuzma is not the worst player, like by a mile of this group. Four years, 102 million is a pretty good value for like what he brings to an NBA team. It's a very tradable contract down the road. I think he's like, pretty young too. He's only 27. Super, yeah, he's really young. He's uh it's his first kind of like big contract in the league, but he's proven he could do some things on some winning teams. So I don't think that's a bad deal at all. It's, it was kind of surprising considering the direction we assumed that the Wizards were going in. Um we kind of thought like oh they're just going to go all young, but now they've got some scrappy pieces and it's like they can kind of go either way with the season. Brett's it might not be that top. bad. I don't know, you've been making right. the top to like they'd be the like the jazz of last season. And I see a yeah. lot of parallels there. And also the same way the jazz kind of built up what they had. And then at the trade deadline, they kind of traded off some parts and what the direction they wanted to do. The wizards have flexibility in that regard, which isn't really something they've had the last, what, five, six years. They've just been kind of a one direction team kind of limping into like trying to be in playoff contention, kind of failing down the line. And now it's like optionality is pretty key for what they're looking for right now. Yeah, and you and you spoke to how flexible that they've been. I mean, right before we went on the air here, Monte Morris got traded to the Pistons. They get a second round pick. They're able to create a nine point eight million dollar trade exception. They have all this flexibility now. Now, of course, you start to wonder what that's going to do with the rest of their point guard position. They're likely going to retain Delon Wright, um, possibly just to kind of keep him in that back guard or that back court rotation, um, just so you can again have that flexibility to kind of move forward in your your roster situation as you move through the season whether or not you end up being that scrappy team like the jazz or if they end up where they need to kind of blow the tires off this thing they have the players and they have the ability to make some of those moves at the deadline um the one guy in that group that confused me a little bit and brett i'd really like to get your thoughts on this guy as well cam johnson getting signed for four years 108 million dollars to stay with the brooklyn nets I watched a good amount of Cam Johnson when he was in Phoenix. Uh, obviously, in that role, he was just kind of limited as a guy coming off the bench, a knockdown shooter, spotting up in corners. But you saw his role grow a little bit after that 
trade for Kevin Durant, where he ends up doing a little bit more in the offense. What what are your thoughts on Cam Johnson going forward and sort of this current framework? Is this like a very similar to like the Fred Van Vliet trade where they just maybe needed to spend some money somewhere? Or do they really think that he can be functioning as like a $25, $27 million a year sort of player? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it is they really didn't want to lose him. I mean, there there's a lot of teams that, that would have loved to have had him and, and paid him a, a nice amount of money. Um, so I think that's a big part of just the numbers. Like this is probably what it, what it took not to lose him. But I feel like with him, it's almost more like about the type of player that he is. Like, you know, like how many guys are 6'8", six, 6'9", six, shoot 40 plus percent from three and can defend and do a little more. He's got some pretty good athleticism. Like there just aren't many guys that fit that description. And so like, I think that's a big part of it is like, where are you going to find that type of player? They're just, there, there really aren't many. He's an elite shooter. He's got great size and he can really defend. Um, He's pretty young still, not as young as you'd think. I mean, he's, he was famously old when he was drafted. Um, So he's probably about 27, 28 now, but yeah, that it look, it sure seems like a lot of money. I really, really like him as a player. I really do. Um, I don't think it's going to ever look like a terrible contract or anything like that. I mean, he's he's always going to be a, a valuable player, but um, I don't know. Could it be like a – I don't want to say Tobias Harris. It's not going to be that bad of a contract, but like I don't know. I don't think they're going to regret it. I, I don't think, think so. so. I don't either. know. It's also like, man, guys are just getting paid so much now. Like sometimes I feel like I'm kind of stuck like a couple years ago where like that would have been a even, I don't know, four or five years ago, that would have been an insane amount of money. Uh, there's but like the cap a, keeps going up. There's a running inflation on these contracts and it's hard to keep track of. Like, you, right. like one one sixty is equal to what like 120 over four years would have been signed a couple years ago. And it's like hard to justify it, but no matter what. Tobias Harris should not be getting paid $38 million a year. Like Tobias no. Harris's contract right now that was signed three or four years ago, we would all be like, holy fucking shit. And that's the contract yeah. that he's currently living with. So he was like ahead a of the market on that shit. But yeah, there's a lot of players. Um, I think we should start jumping into some of these kind of mid-tier role player contracts. Some of these kind of jump off the table. The uh, the Javon Carter to the Bulls for three years, $19 million. Um, Famously, Bruce Brown getting that bag with Indiana, two years, 45 million. That's pretty impressive. Karis LeVert, two years, 32 million back with the Cavs. Uh, Kobe White with the Bulls, three years, 40 million. Uh, This one really struck me as surprising. I think this might be the contract that blew me away the most today looking at the list. Joe Ingles, two years, 22 million with the Magic. That one is like, I know they want to get a veteran in the room, but it's like you really got to pay a guy $11 million a year for a dude that you're probably not going to play very much. Like, I'm I'm happy for Joe. Fuck yeah, Jingling Joe. We love that dude, but holy shit. Trey Jones, uh, back to the Spurs, two years, 20 millions. Gabe Vincent, signed by the Lakers with the mid-level exception, three years, 33 million. It's a lot of money going around for these role players. Actually, I think this is the steal of the day for me. The Pelicans got Herb Jones back, four years, 54 million. I think that's just fantastic business by the Pelicans moving forward because they've got a really crowded roster full of wings to retain someone like that on a cross-control contract like that. I think that is kind of a steal that nobody's talking about right now. You know what was cool yeah, about yeah. the Herb Jones thing? 
was just just seeing how happy everybody was for him like on twitter like so many that. players not just his teammates just like guys from all over the league just like you know quote tweeting the news that he he signed that deal like and just and then all the fans like everybody was happy about that and i just think it says a lot about herb jones like he's he's so beloved around the league and by fans by everybody like who doesn't love herb jones oh he's one of the best man that's awesome. And another role player we don't quite know the details on yet, uh, Max Struess, we're assuming is going to Cleveland. That's what all reports are saying. Something in the four-year, $64 million ballpark. Um, supposedly, there's supposed to be a third team in there helping with the sign-in trade so the Heat can facilitate that. So we're going to wait on those details. But yeah, this pod, we're, we're doing this late. We're doing this past 11 o'clock Brett time. And uh we still don't have all the details we need to actually put out the pod. Stuff's coming out while we're working. So just kind of, I don't know, my head's kind of spinning with all this, looking at the list. Um, Ethan, any takeaway? What, what's the biggest thing for you tonight you want to take away? Or do you want to jump into some of your pups? Talk about your little wolves. I need, I need to leave the pups for later just because okay. I need to get probably another half a half a high nooner in before I start cooking on how Tim Connolly <laughs> just finagled that salary cap as best that he could. I want to talk about the Cavs because the Cavs were honestly really active and a lot more active than I thought they were going to be. You just mentioned Max Struess and Karis LeVert. They also managed to snag a guy in George Niang who terrorized me for four years at Iowa State as a Kansas fan away for what seemed like nothing. Three years, $26 million to get a knockdown shooter that honestly could be just a younger slightly more athletic, better version than what Kevin Love was for them last year before they decided to move off of him. They mm-hmm. they did a really good job of kind of filling in the cracks in their wing rotation because that's where I always thought their hole was going to be with a guy like Isaac Okoro where we really waited to see whether he's going to step into his role as he was highly regarded coming out of college or Chetty Osman, what were they going to do with him? Was he ever going to be more than a serviceable role player? Now they've kind of gotten a lot of a lot of chances. They've, they've got a bunch of lottery tickets and they're hoping just even one of them hits, whether it's Struess or Niang or Levert or those two guys I just mentioned. Brett, what do you think about what the Cavs did tonight? I know that there's been like some scuttlebutt and I don't know if it's just Twitter noise or if there's any actual word to it that they were considering a Darius Garland trade, but it seems like they're starting to shore up their rotation. And I feel like their, their depth was kind of exposed when they were in that series with the Knicks, especially when it kind of came down to brass tacks at the end of the game there. Yeah. I mean, shooting is what they've needed from that wing spot. Um, and you know, as much as I do I still love a coral, like he just, he, he's not going to make a high percentage of threes on a high volume. You know, he can make the open ones. He'll shoot a decent percentage on low volume, uh, for stretches, but you know, he's not a three point shooter, not at this point. Um, Struess is, and if they're paying him that kind of money, you know, he's he's going to be the starter, right? At small forward, he's got to be. For sure. Um, and Niang is, uh, yes, lights out, uh, killer from deep. Um, yeah, the, those guys, that, that's a pretty nice duo of just kind of like boxy, sharpshooter uh, guys. Like, I, yeah, that, that's certainly a, their glaring need, and they addressed it. Um, so I like it. I, they're a team, I thought maybe they would consider like a – a sign and trade for Kuzma. I was just, I've just been thinking a lot about the wizards and I was thinking of different sign and trade destinations. And I think I even saw that proposed a couple times on Twitter, but, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty solid, uh, little free agency hall there. That's a, it's a good looking team. Yeah. So pr- Spe- speaking of free agency halls, um, it's hard to look at this list and not come away thinking that just on a small, like some small scale, 
the Suns got to feel really good about what they did tonight. Veteran talent and at really cheap deals. But if you're just trying to piece together a roster, bringing back a Kogi on a minimum, uh, bringing back Damian Lee on a minimum, and then going out, who else did they get? They got Drew Eubanks tonight. They got Watanabe tonight. Drew Eubanks. And yeah, Watanabe, who we've already seen can play with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant kind of opened up so much space for him in Brooklyn when they played together as like a knockdown corner shooter. That's uh, Metu. They got Metu as well. Wow. Yeah, they're kind of filling out that roster pretty well for if you're going to do it on the cheap like that, which is the only way they could do it. They also got Keita Bates Giap. Yeah. Two years, five million. baby. They, I mean, all these guys aren't going to play or be able to play, but just to like fill out the roster for rotation spots throughout the season, they did really well. And along the same lines, it pisses me off to say it, but they seem to do it every year. The fucking Lakers gave Vincent three years, 33 million. They also got Cam Reddish on a cheap contract. Uh, Rui Hachimura, they're bringing back three years, 51 million, which I think is pretty good business for some of the numbers I was seeing out there before. We still got to see what's yeah. going to happen with Austin Reeves, but it looks like a pretty good offseason for the Lakers so far, considering how well they gelled down the, the stretch last year. I think if any team is comfortable with running it back, they should be. Um, as much as I hate to say it, that was a pretty dangerous team going into the end of the season last year. So good business for the Lakers. I hate it, but they should be pretty formidable in what should be, could be maybe LeBron James last season as a Laker. So it'll be fun to see how that turns out next year for sure. Yeah, at least on the Lakers, the the one thing that stuck out to me as they were kind of progressing through the playoffs, and it was after the they traded for D'Angelo Russell. And after watching Russell for about 50 games this year, um, all the growing pains that I'd come to hate when I'd watched D'Angelo Russell take a shot in the mid-range so early in the shot clock and try to shoot himself out of a slump, it all came to fruition. I felt so happy when he was doing it for a different team. And with Gabe Vincent, <laughs> you have a guy who – is a knockdown shooter, but also a guy who is humble enough to really understand when, if he's in a slump, he's not going to play himself onto the bench when he is. He's able to set the table. He's able to facilitate a lot better. Um, and honestly, the the one knock on him, just like anybody else who's undrafted when they leave the Heat system, is, well, can he do it on anywhere else in the Miami Heat? Now he's going to a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and he gets to be the primary table setter, regardless of whether or not they keep Austin Reeves. So, God, I, I hate I hate it as well, Mikey. The Lakers did an awesome job. I joked at the earlier that that team is now just LeBron, AD, some washed-out lottery picks, and all of the former Timberwolves from two years ago, especially after they picked up Torian Prince today as well. Torian. It's, oh, I forgot to mention that, yeah. It's just becoming one of those things where I, I looked at them in the – the Grizzlies series. And I told this to a couple of my buddies where I had, I had to look myself in the mirror and I say, this Laker team isn't likable. They're just playing the Memphis Grizzlies. And then I had to tell myself this Laker team (laughs) isn't likable. They're just playing the golden state warriors. But even as they were just getting kind of punched around by the nuggets, I was like, dang, this team is kind of fun to watch. And now that they've accumulated more of those assets in a Gabe Vincent in getting Rui Hachimura, a guy who bet on himself after that trade and showed out in the playoffs, and now he's getting that financial compensation that he deserved. It's going to be really hard not to at least, from from the bottom of my soul, root just a teeny tiny bit for the Lakers. But again, my favorite teams are the Minnesota Timberwolves and anybody who beats the former Minneapolis Lakers. So that I'll take it where I can get it. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend in that scenario, right? 
Absolutely. The two other most eye-raising moments, I think, on Twitter today were Jeremy Grant, five years, 160 millions to re-up with the Blazers. And then Kyrie Irving, three years, 126 million with a player option in the third year. Jesus Christ, Mark Cuban. I don't know. I think if Overstated's got one resident Kyrie Irving fan, we know it's our guy, Brett. So Brett, let's uh, throw it down. Let's spin it for us from the Mavs perspective. Is this a good signing? Uh, yeah, I don't think they had a choice. You know, like what what else are they going to do, really? Like you they're just they're just in a position where they have to bring him back. They can't lose him. And um they could have offered him a little less, but this is Kyrie Irving, like is he going to take that as an insult? Um could that be problematic down the road? Like this was in the ballpark of, you know, what I expected him to get paid. Um, it wasn't really a surprise to me, honestly. Like, I feel like they were pretty determined to to keep him and just try to make this thing work. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, a full season after a training camp of, of Luca and Kyrie with some of these other pieces they've added. Uh, they could be pretty interesting, but that one, that one didn't shock me uh, too much. The Jeremy Grant one, foo. That one's, that one's think, a bigger Mikey? shocker to you. What do I, I think about the like Jeremy Grant I, I Look, man, I love Jeremy Grant. Like, I, I'm a huge Jeremy Grant fan. He had an awesome season. He averaged over 20 points a game, shot 40-plus percent from three. You know, he's athletic, two-way wing, combo forward, three-level scorer. Like, he, he really is a, a very, very nice player. One of my favorites. But um, five years. Five years, 160, 160 like, million. 32 million this, annually like, average. I just I kind of got like a feeling in the pit of my stomach when I saw the numbers because it's just like, oh, we're really doing this. Right. Like they really I think I think there was a part of me that just wanted them to you were trade Dame yeah. and go full rebuild. I think I had like accepted that like subconsciously. Like a part of me I think really wanted that. And and I didn't realize that until I saw that number for Jeremy Grant. Like <laughs> this actually, I don't know if this is what I want. Actually, like, okay, right. like I guess this means Dame's coming back and it's like at so least it's for now. like it's like last yeah. year's team again. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean there's Scoot. There's Scoot. But I mean he's a rookie. Yeah, when I, like when I see so when Chris I saw Murray. The con- yeah, when I saw the contract, two things immediately oh. popped in my head. One was this is Clutch's doing. I think they used the Rockets with all that cap space to just keep driving up the money. It's like there's yeah. a reason we saw the Fred Van Fleet contract announced after this because I think the Rockets were just kind of rising the price up, rising the price up, and I bet at the end they kind of laughed about it like, hell no, we're not paying Jeremy Grant that. Two, this is the Dame Lillard tax. That's what this is right here. Like any other team is not going this high with this guy. This contract is, you know, somewhere between you know 5 to 7 million dollars annually more than he's worth at market value you know 30 35 million more over the stretch and of like five an extra the extra year too the pretty much year. right the like year, he, he's i don't like mind a as Kuzma. much he should be like the he, Kuzma deal right like 4 years 102 or whatever like that feels for sure. comfortable for jeremy yeah the yeah 5 years 20, 160 yeah cam johnson and kyle kuzma are the market for what a player like jeremy grant should be a non-all-star like efficient good like third option kind of scorer 
and that's not what this is because the situation matters. When it comes from Portland's perspective, it's not like we ever do anything with free agent money. Like the last time we had cap space, we signed Evan Turner and um, Alan Crabb to long-term huge deals. Like we shouldn't be allowed to spend money if that's the case. <laughs> the biggest free agent in franchise history is Brian Grant. Like we're not doing anything with the money anyways. Like what they're doing is they're paying a tax to keep Dame Lillard. It's going to limit what we can do on the back end of our roster once the new CBA kicks in. We've got the Dame Lillard contract. Like we're going to be looking at $90 million a piece between those guys here in a couple of years. Like that's a pretty scary prospect. But the one bonus is our future Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp are both just entering their rookie contracts. They're going to be cost controlled and they're going to be super talented. It's just going to be trying to figure out the the rest of the roster around that, what we can do with Anthony Simons to bring in a wing and what the hell we're going to do with Nurkic. But I mean, if you want to keep Dame, this is the price you pay. Absolutely. And I think that's the nice part about at least a contract and the situation that your team is in. You've already kind of paid the guys that you needed to pay, quote unquote. Like Anthony's already got his contract and kind of at the level where he's signed right now, where he is at, at least in terms of the yearly salary at that Kuzma or Cam Johnson level, that's a salary that you can move fairly easily um, if you want to. Um, like you said with Nurkic, he's paid. I don't know if you're ready to drive him to the airport or not, but I, it seems like kind of one of those things where you can you can kind of move on from him pretty simply. But it, it did kind of seem like with with all of the scuttlebutt, like half of, half of NBA – discourse now is the the dame and general manager the dame and the general manager sort of situation (laughs) this grant signing just found just felt like you're you're trying to stop the divorce from happening so you try to have a kid like joe cronin's already sleeping on the couch dame's spending a night at his brother's house just to get out of it for a little bit but it's like you know what let's have a kid let's sign jeremy grant to a five-year deal worth 160 million dollars it, well, Scoot and Shaden are the kids. Jeremy Grant's like a new car. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, you bought your wife a, a sweet like convertible. Is is Jeremy Grant the nanny you hired to try to take the stress off of the relationship? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> this metaphor is going off the rails very quickly. But he's, he's a you, pretty face to have around. Good one. It's a good one, yeah. though. But you understand what I mean, though. Like obviously, like Dame says when when he comes out of that meeting with ownership is like i want i have two demands i want to re-sign jeremy grant and i want to try to get draymond green when draymond's the first signing that Woj announces obviously i figured that the next one was going to be something involving jeremy grant or dane walking out the door and mm. the the signing doesn't concern me as much again it's just the money and as we start to move into this new cba again you you need to start seeing some noticeable growth from jeremy grant either from a, a leadership role or from just accounting stats role to sort of sort of justify the the massiveness and the length of that contract. You right. know, it'd be a real bummer is if is if this past season ends up being the best season of his career. Like if he's never as good as he was last season again, and now we have five years of this absurd amount. Like I just worry. Like, what if he doesn't get any better? I mean, like what? I'm drinking. I am drinking. <laughs> Like, like I, I definitely get it, and I know that that was a, I know that that was a, a must-have for Dame. Like, I know they're close. I know Dame loves playing with him. You have this really nice forward already there. Yes, we're bringing him back. I get it, but I just worry, like that it could look, it could be rough. Like this, con- this could be a Tobias Harris. Type you know of what contract. I want to see from him? What we really need besides like counting stats and leadership, we need better defense. Like he was brought in, like when you saw him on 
the uh, Nuggets a few years back before he had his like run with the Pistons as a twenty point per game scorer and like lead guy, is we saw like this two way versatile like switching wing who can you know bring some help side defense in Portland. Like he has that reputation. He was getting burned all year last year, and I think a lot of times like he was on assignments that he shouldn't have been. You know, guarding the other team's best player or like guarding point guards and such. I just need to see like consistency from him on the defensive end and like setting a tone there. I think he turned into more of like a scorer's mentality kind of player. And I think he's got to sacrifice some on that end and bring defensive intensity for 48 minutes a night. And that's going to justify this contract. If he's, you know, if he stays at 20 points a game, I don't care as long as he's like somewhat as efficient as he has been. If he dips below like 32% from three, I'm going to be pissed off. But, you know, if he stays above league average from three and is a meaningful impact defender, I'd be pretty happy with that contract because it's hard to find those guys. It's hard to retain those guys. And it's the kind of players that we've always desperately needed. You know, if we uh, we see some growth from Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson and Anthony on the offensive end, we could take a little bit of a fall off from him. But we need him every night, night in, night out, be a fucking defensive player. Uh, yeah, I mean – and as far as Anthony, like, you know, I still, as much as I love him, I still am very open to the idea of trading him just to, just to build a, a roster that makes a little more sense because you've got Shaden now, like Shaden can be your starting two guard. Yeah. Right. I'm convinced. Um, and, uh, and so maybe you, you know, you move Anthony and you look to upgrade, you know, at center and then and, your and roster makes a little more sense, but like for them to, you know, for them to be significantly better than they were last year, like, first of all, they need to be healthy. Um, I think Scoot needs to be really good right away. Uh, Shaden needs to take a leap. I'm not worried about that happening at all. And I think you might look to trade Anthony just because I don't know that that's the best fit in the backcourt next to Dame. As much as I love him, um, you could probably get a pretty nice return for him, even though I think he's probably undervalued. Uh, and then, And then you might you might have a little something there, but I mean, you just got to be smart at this point. If you've made this decision, like, you know, to which right. Like they have like this, that settles it. Like if, if Dame wasn't coming back, would, would Jeremy Grant have been coming back? Like, you know, I, I think the Blazers wouldn't have offered him that if they didn't have assurances from Dame Lillard, but we're going to find out right. in the next couple of days. That's another, what I'm asking, yeah. another looming roster move for the Blazers is the Matisse Tybal situation. Obviously they did not offer a qualifying offer to Cam Reddish. He went to the Lakers for a near minimum contract. We did offer the qualifying offer to Matisse Tybal. So he's entered with restricted free agency. I'm a little bit worried that one of these teams with cap space might just throw a dumb offer at him, like a Bruce Brown style contract at Matisse Tybal. And the Blazers obviously cannot justify paying that. Um, but if we can retain him for like, you know, three years, 30 million. That's the kind of dude we got to bring back. Otherwise, like it doesn't make sense to pay all this money to Jeremy Grant and Dame Lillard and not be willing to pay a little bit extra to the complimentary parts. And uh, Matisse Thibel does fit in line with somewhere I do want to go to the conversation with you guys is players we haven't seen signed yet. Obviously, we've already mentioned Dylan Brooks a little bit in the Rockets conversation. Um, D'Lo came up in, when Ethan was going down memory lane. We still haven't seen or heard anything from Russell Westbrook, Pat Beverly, Dante DiVincenzo, even though there's been some Knicks rumors, Jalen McDaniels, Kelly Oubre, uh, another big one, Brooke Lopez. We don't know his situation with the Bucks. He was rumored to the Rockets quite a bit, but 
bait into that uh, infamous cap space some tonight with a little Fred Van Vliet signing. So what uh, what players are you most interested in seeing signed and where do you guys expect them to go? Well, this is the big thing for me. The, there's one name on that list that really sticks out to me and it perplexes me because I feel like he's at a complete crossroads. And that man is Russell Westbrook um, because we saw in his limited playtime in the playoffs last year with the Clippers, he still got a lot of fight in him. He took a team of essentially role players without Kawhi for the majority of that series, without Paul George for the entirety of that series. And he kept him competitive against a really solid Suns team. I don't want to say, and I said this with Chase when we recorded earlier this week, I don't think he's on like the sunset portion of his career. I don't think he's ready to ride off or accept a lesser role. But, and I I think he's still got a lot of fight and a lot of skill left in him, but I'm trying really hard. I'm looking at a lot of teams. I just can't find a home for him. And that's, it's kind of sad just because I, I think he still has enough to offer the league, but I don't know if you can offer him a contract that's, not going to insult him where he thinks he's at in his career, but where you as a team can sort of quantify giving him X amount of money or either a starting point guard role where you look around the league where there's just not a lot of spots left for him, or even as like a key reserve where he, he obviously thinks he can still carry a lot of a load table setting offensively. Brett, I'm really interested where, where does Russ land? Man, I, I'm inclined to think he just ends up going back to the Clippers. Because um, it's hard to – exactly what you said, man. Just like thinking out, thinking about the league, like it's hard to hard to think of a destination that makes sense. Like, yeah, if he could – if he wanted to take the minimum and play for like the Suns or something, you know, and, and try to win a, a ring, like, yeah. But I don't know, man. I, I, I would guess the Clippers. And, and obviously there's all this – James Harden smoke where they're the favorites to land him and Harden and Westbrook, you know, that would probably be my, my guess there, but I agree. I think he's got quite a bit left in him, Um, but he's just a tricky player, man. He's a tricky one to find a home for That's That's for sure. I got a a sneaking suspicion and I don't know why, because it would take mending a couple of burnt bridges, but I just have a feeling Russell Westbrook's going to end up on the Phoenix Suns on a minimum when things start to clear out. Cause that team desperately needs some kind of like chaos creation. They need that like holy shit factor yeah. that Westbrook could bring you know, on like a, a couple meaningless nights in the regular season when a couple of other guys are hurt or, you know, being load managed, which we do expect to happen with that team. He does have a great relationship with Brad Beal spoke pretty highly of him recently, but he, uh, we know that there's a kind of a checkered history there with Kevin Durant. It would be kind of curious to see if Kevin Durant would ever accept playing with Westbrook again. And then obviously the, uh, the Fred Vogel situation that didn't work out too well in Los Angeles with Westbrook. So I'm just a little, a little curious to see where he goes, but I have a hard time picturing the Clippers keeping Westbrook. If they do in fact make a, a Harden trade, it's hard to see. Yeah. Harden. I know we saw it once before, but it, it was kind of a nightmare situation. Even if Westbrook is coming off the bench, I just Bradley, can't see Russ him. Would have to be, he'd, have, he'd have to be a backup. I like the fit with the Suns too, though, man. I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, If he's willing to take the minimum, essentially, um, that would be – it makes sense. It would be fun. They could use him. And, Ethan, Ethan, one more before we, uh, we log this one off so uh, Brett can hit the bed before midnight Eastern time tonight. Um, Patrick Beverly. Has his uh, his full time radio career 
Is it taking off now? Do you think he sees another contract? Indulge me on that one. You know, I, honestly, if he's looking for a job right now, ESPN just did make a lot of layoffs today. Um, and so there will be positions open for an entry-level job. Um, for sure. Honestly, if, I, if he wants to hit the vet minimum for ESPN. Him, Richard Jefferson, Kendrick Perkins could tear it up on an NBA show for sure. Um, but that's the thing. Honestly, that he's another one of those guys that I can't really find a home for. and mm-hmm. Especially because they they almost like overpaid Javon Carter. I mean, it's a fair deal for Javon Carter, but he's essentially playing the exact same role that Patrick Beverly would have played there. Exactly. And they, they weren't willing to pay Beverly a minimum contract to come back and instead opted to get Javon Carter. Like, I'm just wondering, has he burnt out his welcome on NBA rosters with all the uh, the chicanery that comes along with the uh, the Patrick Beverly experience, if you will? Well, might not that's be the, worth it. Might not be worth it. I don't know. We talk about teams that need a little bit of edge, and we talked about that with the Rockets. I'm, I'm sure they've still got plenty of unsold Patrick Beverly jerseys from when he was there. What's stopping <laughs> him from going back there for a year and just just bodying Jalen Green on every single possession in practice and give him a little bit of edge? I think that'd be kind of fun, you know. Like I, I think that's where he's got to go. It's, it's got to be to a younger team where they where they need a vet. Um, obviously, Mikey, it's gonna be my first time in Las Vegas when I go, and you've already started calling me. Your rook, um, yeah. I, you've been calling me. You've been calling me your vet, exactly. Maybe in private, <laughs> and, and that, and that's, and that's the role that Pat Beverly needs to play. He needs to find a team where there's a guy that can make that next leap. He did that with Anthony Edwards the one year he was in Minnesota. Him and Ant were super tight. He taught Ant about the league. He taught Ant to get that competitive edge, and whether it was entirely because of him or because of Ant's prowess and his skill, he was able to make that next leap once Beverly left the team. I'd love to see him get back on the Rockets with a Jalen Greed or or an Amen Thompson or a Cam Whitmore and just beat the shit out of these kids every day in practice. Teach them how to win. Teach them how to go around the league. And I know I just said teach them how to win with Pat Beverly when he hasn't really won a whole lot of anything monumental. But again, like playing game, right? Exactly. Back, back, playing champs, baby. I've got the T-shirt downstairs. But at the end of the day, you, you start to look at guys like that, a Westbrook, a Beverly, um, who else is on that list? I don't want to say D'Lo because he's not really that guy either, but like a Dylan Brooks or a Brooke Lopez, like these guys can provide a lot of value to teams, maybe not um, at, a, at a financial standpoint, but just in terms of getting me- to mentor these young, young players and teach them how the league works. I think that's where I need to see Beverly. But if not, man, FS1, call in your name, buddy. Get on, get on there, start calling some college basketball games, do whatever you need to do. Otherwise, I think he's going to be a great assistant coach in like six or seven years. I could see him warming a bench somewhere, doing a great job again in that mentorship role. I think that's where his strength is. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, I think uh, we're going to call it for the night and it's going to be as far as like official overstated business goes. This is going to be our last podcast until probably after summer league. Oh, one second. I'm sorry. I forgot. We are contractually obligated to let our boy Ethan Lane cook on the Minnesota Timberwolves, which we are going to do. I'm going to continue my my closer, and then Ethan can take us out with it. But yeah, Summer League's coming up in a few days. We're going to be seeing each other in person. That's going to be a lot of fun. I think Brett and Steve have ambitions of doing perhaps an in-person pod in Summer League. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, alcohol. But yeah. Until Summer League, I can't wait to see you guys. And uh, 
Ethan, why don't you take us out talking about them pups, baby? Hey guys, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves had a pretty good night. Um, and, and I want to start by saying a couple of things. First of all, Nas Reed, I've already spoken at nauseum. We got him on such a cheap deal and he's back and you guys are all kicking yourselves because you couldn't get him on your team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you guys, but he's back. And I don't care if we're spending a half a billion dollars on the center position. Some people don't even have centers and we have three. That sucks. Sucks to be you guys. Um, but you look at tonight. Um, <laughs> last last night was a fairy tale because I, I love always being tagged in a post and a tweet regarding the Timberwolves because it's normally negative. And when you find out that you don't even tell Torian Prince you're not renewing his option, that kind of sucks. And I figured, oh, man, we're going to have another one of those free agency experiences where the Wolves can't really do anything competently. And we're going to sign some random dudes on like day seven to fill out a roster spot. But we were cooking today. We decided not to give Nikhil Alexander Walker his qualifying offer. And I was ready to walk him to the door and we pull him back on a two year, $9 million deal. And then we decided to shake things up, shake $10 million, two year contract. We're making chicken salad out of chicken shit at every possible opportunity. And all we need is a healthy season of our boys. I need Jalen to stop or Jaden to stop punching things that look like curtains, but are actually concrete walls. I need Anthony Edwards to not take a swipe at Kyle Anderson while trying to block a shot in game four. If we're a fully healthy team, you guys are screwed. You're all screwed. And I'm so excited. All right. That was fantastic. And and on top of that, uh, I do think we need to talk about the Jaden McDaniel thing. Punching a curtain that is actually a wall is some Looney Tunes shit. Like that is some yeah, but Tasmanian it's true devil. though. It really, it really it's is. Like, what like happened, who does right? that? That is just there's a, no way. Well, there's no way he punches that if he knows it's a like a wall, right? Like he did like, think it was. Did a curtain, it have a little right? target on it? And then as soon as he punched it, Roadrunner <laughs> came by and was like, Hit-y! "That's some gnarly shit." But all right, man, I'm happy you got to cook. Uh, Brett, we got to get you to bed, man. This has been a late night for you. My head's yeah. Still sorry, seen. sorry if I was a little, a little loopy on this one. It's been oh, kind no, of no, a long totally day, but it was, think, it was fun though. Yeah, yeah, no, the free agency is just a loopy situation. You guys, you guys are the best for the uh, the homie Steve, who's not with us here tonight. We're going to see him in person in a few days if you want to talk about loopy. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> see you guys in Vegas. So. Peace.